This is a crowd podcast. I'm Sam Warburton and you're listening to Captains, the leadership podcast where I talk to some of sport's biggest names about what it takes to build successful teams. Today, my guest is rugby league legend and current France defence coach, Sean Edwards. It was my mum, she said, you need to study rugby union now because rugby union's got to be big. Gats had just joined us. He wrote the same things down. He gave me so much confidence. Oh, I might not be as shit as I thought I was. Hi everyone, and thanks again for listening to Captains. This is part two of my conversation with Sean Edwards. So if you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen to part one. Like I touched on in the previous episode, I regularly get asked, what is Sean Edwards like? He does have a reputation amongst the general public for being a pit bull. But actually, I think Sean really helped me on a human level. Like myself, got red carded at a young age and he was really good at putting an arm around me and really being a good mentor during times of my career when I was struggling for form or struggling for confidence and he was absolutely brilliant to have around. And my most memorable moment with Sean actually was after the 2012 Grand Slam, it was a really nice moment. Myself, Dan Lydia and Toby Falatau were in the bar celebrating and we had a really nice picture with Sean and the trophy. I just remember a private conversation we had with Sean. He just thanked us so much because we had a really big defensive effort. But that photo I still have on my phone and I still cherish that because as a foursome, I thought we were a great team. And that's a memory that I will treasure forever. I do remember he said to us, you boys make me look good. So thank you. You know, so like I do remember he said that. So I've always been really fond of that picture. We speak in this episode about being a young captain, something we both experienced during our careers, and we discuss his relationship with Warren Gatland, a match made in heaven. Enjoy the episode with Sean Edwards. You you mentioned before, and I found it interesting, because you were a young Wigan captain, and I'm probably selfishly asking this, because I was obviously young and dealing with boys that are older than me, who had achieved way more than me. How, how How did you find that? Bit difficult, bit difficult. You know, I was 21 and I was only captain for about a year, a year and a half, because we, we, we had a bit of a rocky spell, as we always seem to do at the start of seasons, Wigan. I had a problem with my, uh, a really bad injury, actually. Um, so my own form wasn't what it should be. And I was relieved of the captain set after about a year, which at the time, if I'm honest, it was a relief for me. God, I've had that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it was a bit of a relief for me. Yeah. I was like, because Ellery was, you know, he was the main man. He was four or five years older than me. The best player in the world, in my opinion. You know, he was a natural born leader as well. So, yeah, it, it is difficult to be captain uh, at a very young age. And uh, I know I remember Gats bestowing that upon you and uh, he put a lot of faith in you. It can play on your mind, there's no doubt about that. Were the guys supportive of you or did you find you had to sort of work it out yourself or how was that relationship with the senior players when you did it? Well, you always kind of think mm, somebody might not be supporting you because mm. that's just a bit of a devil in your brain, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think when things start going not so good is, you know, if you're under 21 and you tell him guys are 28, 29 and have been internationals and yeah. got probably more caps than you, etc. It can be difficult, but it also can be the making of you as well. It, it, it can make you stronger. What they say, what does a break you makes you stronger. And uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. What was the best part of your playing career? I know, like, it might maybe it was off the field, but because you, it's, I probably never asked the question to someone who's won so much. What's the first memory that comes into the front of your head if I said best moment, if you could relive one as a player? Coming on from Wembley it would be good, but it wouldn't be playing. It would be, it'd be having a few beers in the back of the ball. That counts. 
seriously, um, just being respected, mm. respected that you was a serious player and you played for a serious team. And even even when I, I lived in London later in life, um, I used to get recognised for like guys my kind of age. Yeah, you used to play for Wigan, didn't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was that, and that, that used to give me a bit of a buzz. Well, a lot of a buzz. I, I remember this. Well, we obviously all knew what, what you'd done as a player when you were coaching us. And this is probably my, my earliest days. And this is when I remembered how... We obviously knew how you know what you'd achieve, but I think when you go to the other side of the world, I remember you actually saying to us before we went to Australia, you were like, playing Australia is different in Australia. Playing Australia up here is tough. Playing Australia in Australia is different kettle of fish. And... We went. To, we went to Australia in 2012, and we went to watch. Um, went to watch one of the rugby league teams playing. So I remember you came with us. It was myself. There's maybe a group of maybe ten of us. We all walked into the stadium. You know, no one turned a shoulder at all. And I remember you were getting stopped left, right, and centre going into this stadium. I don't know if you even remember. And I remember all those players were thinking. Shit and hell, Sean's a fucking big deal out here. Isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Like, and like we knew that back home. But I was like, I think I realised how you sort of transcended the sport worldwide. You know, you got that. I, think, I imagine for you, getting that respect, was it from Australia and New Zealand and that side of the world, is probably a big thing yeah. you get as well. Was it, did it feel like that when you went over those parts and you were still revered there as you are here? I think they're really good to remember me knocking Brad, Brad Laddie. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I didn't knock him out, but, I, you know, yeah. doing a high tackle and, uh, well, it's a missed time tackle. Um, but... Um, I think that I didn't actually play my best rugby in Australia and it still rouses me to this day. Even though I, in my first test matches against Australia, first time I ever started was I was 25. My shoulder was hanging off and I just by absolute chance Warby, I met this guy who was physio for Manly, Manly Winningers, Sea Eagles, and he showed me where to outstrap me, strap my shoulder and I went to my first test matches that I've ever started against Australia. Like this, I couldn't, couldn't like really move it. And so I trained, prepared for it, as I thought, this is my only ever chance of playing against Australia. And um, I played, and we were beaten by a record score. And um, and we went to a third test. And it's, you know, we lost 16-10 in the third test. But it was the toughest game of rugby league I've ever, ever played in my life. I made 36 tackles. Wow. Right. I missed two. 36 tackles. But that was when I always said to myself that if I become a coach, I'm going to invent a system where the nine and ten in union, or six and seven in league, I'm going to invent a system where they don't have to do too much tackling because did it really affect me attack? Which really is what, as a halfback, your main job's attack, isn't it? Let's be honest, you know. Let's be honest, your main job's attack. Did it affect me attack, making 36 tackles? Of course it did, yeah, I was shattered. And uh, chasing Alan Langer around all over the pitch, you know what I mean? And that's one of, one of the reasons I have certain positions for for the 10, for the 9 in, in the formation, so that they don't have to do that sort of amount of work. Obviously, you don't do that many tackles in, in, in Union, but you also hit rooks, yeah. which is sometimes could be as, as as hard as a tackle at certain times. So yeah, I, I always thought I, I would I'd come up with a system where the nine and ten, yes, obviously they have to contribute to the defence hundred percent, but also giving them some recuperation for 
when we have to attack and because that's the main job. See, because you, you can couple that playing career with this sort of almost, um, like I said, you're very studious, this almost visionary mindset. I heard you speaking before about this and like, you've changed the game of union a lot. In the, like you said about nines and tens, I heard you talk about defensive system and how you tried to save the nines and tens. Oh, such an obvious thing, but such a good idea, which no one else has thought of. Then the example saying, um, going back you know, 12 years ago to that sort of low chop tackle, which you sort of brought into the game yourself. Then the sort of two fullbacks, which you brought in. I know we've got a bit technical here for people who don't listen to rugby, but I think that's the, biggest thing, that's the biggest thing that, uh, you know, if they say, you know, what's your biggest thing in, in, in rugby? You know what you're proud of, like you know what I mean, in rugby yeah. union as a coach, and, I, and I'd say 32 because, yeah, because I even watch like all blacks, they they, they yeah, do yeah. it, you know, Springboks do it, you know, all the teams around the world do it, and it's just kind of a normal formation. Not everybody does it, yeah, but you, you they've remember all, they've all copied it now, yeah, <laughs> they haven't, they? But, but you remember when we brought it in because it was how we were playing Ireland, yeah, and against under um, Ronan O'Gara, it was amazing, yeah, uh, founded touch, and uh, you know, they, they had. Paul O'Connell, brilliant defensive line uh, specialist, and you know, um, and 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 I did, they, they, they had a great habit of pinning us into our own twenty-two, if you remember, mm. and um, <clears throat> so that was the reason. I mentioned it to Gats. I said, Gats, I think we should play with two fullbacks. He said, uh, he said, yeah, I agree. It's a good idea. I said, we'll just give up middle. He says, do you want to kick it out middle? You know, we can't cover everywhere. Um, he said, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go, yeah. I think it's a good idea. Said, and uh, if you remember, we just beat Ireland at, in, in the Six Nations in 2011. Mm. Fortunate to beat them, because they were always a very, very good team, Ireland, mm. and obviously still are. But I still think one of our greatest ever victories was beating Ireland in the in the quarterfinal of the 2011 World Cup. Mm, that was a big moment. You know, as a technical... Technical, yeah, that was a technical masterclass from the coaches, yeah. Um, emotional, mm. you know, kicking game, everything. It would just all come together. And I always remember uh, the great, you know, one of the best players I've ever coached, Brian O'Driscoll. He, he said that was the biggest yeah. disapp- disappointment yeah. um, of, of a game that he, he played for Ireland. And uh, you know, because they, they were the, they were the red hot favourites on that day, and uh, we obviously were, we did a good job. Yeah, well, that was the game I vividly remember. You sort of said to us, you know, only do the low chop, which they won't be expecting. And I remember they had a great back row, didn't they? Heaslip, Ferris, and O'Brien. I think you said to us after the game, I told you to do this tactic. And I think so they made something silly, like only five or 10 metres between them, you know, just completely nullified. It was a technical masterclass. When you were playing, did you know you wanted to go into coaching and into union as well when you were playing? Um I always from from being twenty twenty one I started to write really? notes about yeah from uh, but mostly it was about rugby league at first um, but it was my mum around about nineteen ninety five when um, I'd, I'd be about twenty eight twenty nine thirty then she told me she said you need to study rugby union now she says because rugby union is going to be big wow um, she said, said rugby league's big you know because we lived in Wigan obviously you know what I mean we were world champions at the time and you know winning trophy after trophy, etc. She said, but Rubin is going to be big. And um, she was a visionary of him around. She died last year. But yeah, she, she was the person who, who first said to me, you know, you need to be studying Rubin as well as Rubin. That's nice. I've got to remember as well, I knew her word Rubin was. Yeah. Because I played it. I, I know it's suffocating. There's no space, no room. And I knew that if your scrum was going backwards, 
you know, you, you, you've got no ball to play with. If your line wasn't wasn't operating, you could literally not have the ball for 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew all this, you know what I mean? I knew I, what a difficult game it was to play. And uh, that I think that'll give me an advantage as well. I get asked a lot as well, and I don't really know that... I don't know if there is an answer to this, but people say to me, why do the league boys make such good coaches? I've had some league coaches who haven't been so great, but I think people think of the obvious ones like yourself and, and Andy Farrell. But And I'm like, well, the traits that they kind of displayed, which is why I think you sort of fitted in really well with Wales as well, is you have this kind of real ruthless mentality. I don't know whether it's the working class background of the North, which sort of matches the sort of South of Wales and stuff, yeah. which I think resonates with the lads. But... But I think like you just bring this competitiveness and this ferocity, which I don't think many other coaches bring. That that would be my kind of answer. And obviously, there's all, there's obviously the diligence with that. I'm sort of, I'm not, I'm dumbing it down a bit. But I mean, you, you just bring this real ruthless win at all cost mindset. What do you think makes the league lads transfer so well into union when, when they do it properly? People like Andy Farrell, I think whatever he went into, he would have been successful. Hmm. You know, if he, if he went in to become a rugby league coach, mm. I'm sure he'd be a great rugby league coach. Yeah, uh, and he's and he's coming to Union, um, and and he's done extremely well. Obviously, almost kind of the way Ireland play, it almost they don't really have second rows anymore, do they? They have mm. slope, almost like the back five in the front row, yeah. and um, incredibly mobile. And but I also think it's that the fact that it's your job, and you have to be good at it. Mm. Otherwise, you could be, yeah, could be on the rock and roll. Could be on the, you know, it's an old thing to say, but the door was, you know, it it was a that thing. What when I was leaving school, that's what people. You know, it was a big high unemployment at the time and stuff like that. Um, so I think that's like it's like it's a bit of that. I have to be good. Yeah, you worked with Warren at, at uh, Was, and it, that did seem like a, a match made in heaven. What did you like about Warren's leadership style and coaching? Just straight to the point, hmm. no messing yeah. around. Yeah. Um, fitness was a big thing, being stronger and more powerful. And unless you've got the best athletes as well, you know you can't make the best rugby players. Um, always willing to to ask the players' opinion. Hmm. Yeah, and and, and making the, the 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 players part of the decisions and procedure. You know what I mean, etc. Simplicity of tactics as well. Hmm. Um, even though it's quite complex, but it's also quite simple for many, many things. Yeah, and 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 the fact that he liked a few beers after the match was uh, was also was also a positive. <laughs> you get on with me better now. I've loosened up a bit since I've stopped playing. I drink a little bit yeah. more, so I'm gonna go on with both of you even better. You're listening to Captains with me, Sam Warburton, and my guest, rugby league legend and current France defence coach, Sean Edwards. In this part, we talk a lot about Sean's time with Wasps, so there are a few more references to Warren Gatland, Gats, and Lawrence Delalio, a player I greatly admired. What about, say, say now you're coaching at Wasps, and wherever you go, <laughs> don't want to pump your tyres up, I know you're not that guy, you don't want that, but... Wherever you go, you win. <laughs> like just, and he, I even well, said jokes around. I did two first, mate. I'll tell you. <laughs> because when we first got there, I think the Wasps had been third in the league the, the, the year before or something. And uh, by the time Christmas, I think we were second bottom. Oh, you bounced back well. Yeah, yeah. And well, Gas came. We used to meet in a pub and 
have a couple of pints and, and obviously have a, have a chat about, you know, what, what tactics we're going to do, etc. Anyway, at, right at the start, he said, uh, do you fancy a beer left later? Because we, we got hammered against London Irish. Absolutely hammered. And Gats had just joined us because he'd left Ireland. Anyway, we had a meeting that night and uh, he said, what do you think? And because I had no confidence in myself, because I'd come into a new game, I, I barely knew the rules, really, because I kind of forgot a lot of them. But the things had me going too well. I wrote about four or five things down, which I think we, sh we should change or do. And obviously, Gats was an international coach at that time. He'd just been with Ireland, they beat England. And he actually, with most of the things I'd written down, he wrote the same things down and... He gave me so much confidence. Oh, yeah. I might not be as shit as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I said like things like certain tactics about keeping the ball in play a bit longer, but having more fitness, you know, kick chase, better, more organised kick chase, and you know, just stuff which had been, you know, you know, really played on my mind because I, I was not an immediate success. Trust me, but by, by a long way, that's was doing a lot more of the attack and I was doing a bit more of the defence and Gats brought in the rush defence and it was Gats' idea at first and, and I, remember, I remember saying I think we need a bit more we need more line speed on the hedges that's what I've been trying to think that's what I've been thinking Gats but <laughs> yeah. I don't know you no just a match made in heaven yeah. I had no confidence in myself because it hadn't been going too well because everybody went up and out in those days you know mm, Yeah. and um, and another thing I thought maybe kick ball and play a bit longer you know kick it longer because Unbelievable kickers, these lads. Unbelievable, but they're just kicking it out 10 metres up the pitch and going for a line out. They went, yeah, it's a good idea. And uh, I felt really good about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's mad. Because there's this international coach here. Ian, and as I said, maybe I thought, maybe I'm not as shit as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mad that I would never thought that would have gone through your mind because I was laughing because I was looking through all the things you won. And then it said two challenge cups. I thought... I thought Wasps won one. And then I remembered, because you did, you went to Cardiff as a sort yeah. of consultancy defence role. And I, I, look, I'm a Cardiff boy, my only club. I have no problems in saying we weren't good back then. I thought, shit me. Sean even went to Cardiff and even won a European Cup with him in a year. No, <laughs> I thought, we had some good players. Go, no, we had some like... good players, mate. Danny, Danny was coach and uh, my mate Jockey. Um, yeah, good uh, coaches. And, yeah, and they had a good jackal system there, which was yeah. sort of played right into your hands, which was good. And we had some that. good banter. Oh, the banter was brilliant. I really enjoyed it, Cardiff. Oh, that's good. Well, yeah. you, you mentioned uh, there, there are two people I was going to like sort of dive into a bit and two people who I sort of really looked up to as well. And I sort of mentioned I would have loved to sort of play with yourself. Delalio was another one. I would have, I just listened to him and I loved his lion speech. I was a young kid who watched that DVD and he spoke to the players when he was injured. And I just always thought that was one of the best I was like, I would have loved him to have spoken to me pre-match. What did you like about Lawrence? I first met Lawrence, Twickenham Sevens, in uh, 1995. And I met him because he was captain of Wasp and I was captain of Wigan. And he was like three metres over there and he was screaming, I smashed his rugby league, so-and-so's and all that. And I immediately thought, I like this guy. I like this one. <laughs> I really, really like this guy. <laughs> he showed us no respect, yeah. no yeah. respect. Yeah, and, fucking right. And they immediately yeah. ripped in. They, they, they got a couple of turnovers at breakdown, and all of a sudden we're losing 10 yeah. 0 after about. So we ended up winning in the end because we just had like amazing athletes of fire and, yeah. you know, Henry Paul and, uh, you know, these amazing players. Like, So we won in the end. So I had, I'd always followed his career because I. I, I I liked his attitude, you know what I mean? He, he, did, yeah. 
you know, is confrontational and uh, we still we still keep in touch. Yeah, well, maybe you guys would refer to, to him and the WAS team when, when we were coming through and you'd say what sort of things these lads would do training. And maybe, I don't know, I, I think back now, you're saying this, I didn't think of this coming into this conversation, but I think, say, people like yourself, Delalio, these kind of ruthless um, influences that I would have had, I, I always, if somebody asked me to swap a shirt, I'd always swap. I'd never deny someone. I think it's just humiliating yeah. for them if you just said no. They had the courage to come into the dressing room. But I never, ever asked someone for a shirt. And I, th- I thought of this when you said about Lonisai and not respecting anyone because. No, no, it did, really, like, did respect, it did respect someone. Oh, yeah, but, that's but, what I was going to clear I'm, up. I'm on yeah, about, after, the, after that, just, you know, similar to you. No, no, somebody, you're a bit quieter. But Lawrence, you know, it would always make people welcome. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because when people say respect, you obviously respect them in the sense that you would, you know what they've gone through and what they're doing. But when it comes to game time, you know, you suddenly yeah. just, you throw, that that goes out the window. And I just remember thinking like, people would say to me, are you going to swap with so-and-so? Are you going to swap with so-and-so? And I'd be like, absolutely not. I'd be like, they can ask me for my shirt. I ain't asking them for them shirt. They can ask me because I don't want to go in with this like sort of puppy dog eyes and my tail to my legs. Yeah. Like, can I have your shirt, please? Where like I did respect them, yeah. but I didn't want to show them that. Yeah. I just wanted them to think you were just this young ruthless it's, it's operator. The, the ones you respected the most, yes, actually, you acted like you respected them the least. Hundred percent. Because I remember David Pocock coming to the dressing room, and the, I remember the boys. Are you going to ask him? I went, no, I don't ask. And then he came in and he asked to swap, and I was really. Happy I, that re- he asked I, me remember, I remember him coming <laughs> yeah. in. He was stacked, mate, wasn't he? I kept my vest on. He, he sure, I'm in serious ways, I tell you. Sure, I'm in good shape, right? I kept my vest on. <laughs> I, I did not my take my gosh. vest off when he swapped. I thought, I Jesus. Thinking, no, no wonder we can't shift him off the ball. <laughs> mate, he was stacked, wasn't he? <laughs> I remember that. I want to sort of ask you about this a question. I've asked all of our guests, and you'll know Andy McCann, who I work with. He comes yeah, up in no, a lot Andy. of these podcasts. Great guy, Andy. Yeah, he comes up a lot in these podcasts because I used him so much, particularly as a young captain. And um, love the probably, I don't know. Maybe you did. No, I don't know. I don't know how much Andy speaks to coaches or how much confidentiality there is. But when I was a young captain, Andy asked me what my captain's compass should be, and what that was. He showed me a compass, and he asked me to demonstrate the four traits that I thought would make a good leader, and he helped me with that. Brilliant. I'd love to know what Great stuff that isn't it. Yeah, and as a young guy, that was the direction I needed as a captain. You've got so much playing experience, coaching experience. If you had a Sean Edwards leadership compass, what do you like to demonstrate when you go to, say, a new environment that you want people to know this is what this is what I'm about? I always think your captain should be one of the fittest players in the team, and whether that be strength or stamina. Why, like, like set the standards, you mean? Yeah, yeah, for set that the reason. standards yeah. on and off the pitch. Um, yeah. So that young players come in and say, whoa, that's, what that's, how I be- that's how I become a good player. Mm, yeah, I think the captain obviously he needs to be hundred percent selection, no issue uh, that to everyone thinking. Well, I think somebody's better than him in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that's pretty important. An absolute shoe in in selection. Yeah, which like yeah. which somebody like Alan Jones would be. You know what I mean? To, through uh, part yeah. parts of his career, like Antoine. You know, yeah. Antoine's leads in a very different way to to, to say Lawrence Alalio. Probably you would be in somewhere in the middle between Antoine, but when Antoine does speak, which is not a lot, obviously because he's who he is and he's such a fantastic player, I'm pretty sure the rest of the guys, are, yeah. you know, they they hear they hear it and uh, they, they take action on it. 
how how different is the French setup compared to like the, from a culture perspective? Was it is it wildly different no, to really. other international environments no, or not, quite similar? No, not really. No, no. They, um, I think what's what they like doing. They just love being together. The French lads. Um, I don't know if that was like what was the case before. I've got no idea to be honest. Mm. Uh, you know, Fabian lets them have a beer. You know, and uh, they they like having a party, particularly after they've finished. I remember um, when we won the Grand Slam last year. We played a. Uh, Italy on a Sunday and uh, uh, a Sunday afternoon and um, we're playing Ireland at home on the next Saturday and I'm thinking well lads will take it easy tonight because it was normally we got to remember the French lads no, we have nine o'clock kickoffs and stuff like that yeah. it kicks off at mm-hmm. nine o'clock at night so they, they only get back into to the training centre at 2.30 in the morning sometimes you know? anyway and obviously a lot of it's been under Covid etc anyway and uh, I thought well, lads, I'll take it easy tonight, you know, they'll, they'll probably go, I'll be in bed for about 12. I woke up about half two in the morning, they're all out there dancing. <laughs> <laughs> no, brilliant. No, 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 because it was like COVID, you know what I mean? They had the uh, music on, uh, blasting away, but they're just so happy to be together. That's nice. Just so happy to be together, and I, I woke up at half two and I thought, well, anyway. and honest to God, and then the following Saturday against Ireland, we're winning like 22-8 at half-time. So I thought, well, it's not, <laughs> it's not going to be many arm, is it? Like, you know, they're, just, yeah. just, they're very young as well, you know what I mean? I have to remember, the, when, when I first come, the lot of lads were only 22, 21. Like, yeah, like when yeah. you first come into the team, really. So I always remember Wayne Bennett told me a great thing. He said, you, you have to remember what it felt like when you, when you was that age. Yeah, well... I gotta say, Sean. Honestly, thanks so much for jumping on. It's been a a real sort of honour. I, I, you don't need me to tell you. You know this already, but I absolutely loved you as a coach, and I, I can't wait to watch France in the World Cup. And I do. You know, obviously, I'd love Wales to do well, yeah. but I do hope that if I had to, if Wales can't win it, I do really hope France do it because if anyone deserves to have a World Cup winners medal, um, it's certainly yourself. And I always think in life, you get out what you put in, and you know, I know the efforts behind closed doors, and hope, and hope you boys can do it. So all the best for the World Cup, Sean, and thanks so much for jumping on. Forty years I've been trying. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. See you, Sean. Thanks again to Sean for his time. He is one of the great names in British sport and hearing the range of players mentioned from Ellery Hanley to Antoine Dupont, he's worked with some supremely talented guys through the years. And that makes it all the more impressive that, for all the talk of him being a master tactician and a deep thinker, maybe his biggest strength is keeping it simple. Like we referenced before, leadership is how you make people feel and the combination of Warren Gatland and Sean made me feel 10 foot tall when we worked together at Wales. He is an expert communicator and a serial winner, and that is a lethal combination in sport, but also in leadership in general. As I said to Sean, there is something about the rugby league lads that I love. So if you enjoyed this one, and you've not already, go back and listen to the episode with another rugby league great, Jamie Peacock. Okay, that's it for this week. A reminder, if you want to get in touch, email the show on captains at crowdnetwork.co.uk and check out the LinkedIn page. Just search for Captains with Sam Warburton. Next time, I catch up with an old friend and rival of mine, former Scotland rugby captain, John Barkley. I'll see you then. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.